Assalamu alaikum, everyone. So today, God willing, we're going to be starting from Surah 40. Let's all seek refuge in God from Satan the Rejected. In the name of God, most gracious, most merciful. H.M. And the footnote says, The initials Hamim occur in Surahs 40 through 46. The total frequency of occurrence of the letters Ha and Mim in the seven surahs is 2,147 or 19 times uh, 113. See Appendix 1. Verse 2. This revelation of the scripture is from God, the Almighty, the Omniscient. Forgiver of sins, acceptor of repentance, strict in enforcing retribution, and possessor of all power. There is no other God beside him. To him is the ultimate destiny. None argues against God's revelations except those who disbelieve. Do not be impressed by their apparent success. Disbelieving before them were the opponents of Noah and many other opponents after them. Every community persecuted their messenger to neutralize him, and they argued with falsehood to defeat the truth. Consequently, I punished them. How terrible was my retribution. Thus, the judgment of your Lord is already stamped upon those who disbelieve. They are the dwellers of hell. So, so very strong verses to start with. Uh, this surah, as we know, is initial with H and M. Ahar uh, Hamim in Arabic, and uh, you can see these initials occur uh, uh, like in succession. I mean, uh, uh, in from forty, sort of forty to uh, forty-six. And uh, if you also look inside the. Uh, appendix one, you can see more detail about that. Uh, they're all interlocked, and this is a sign from us that uh, you know these. Uh, this is a revelation. This revelation to us is from God. Um, so, if you can see appendix one, you'll see that there is also a chart. about these initials and there's also um, it also mentions so there is like table 10 and table 6 also has the interlocking relationship um, and then you also have uh, the major one which is um, in under the initial uh, hum, I mean under the heading Ahamim, uh, I have here on page 381, and you can see that the total occurrence of Hamim occurs uh, 19 times 113. And so there are multiples of, and uh, the occurs multiples of 19. Okay. Um, so, <clears throat> I mean, so, you know, this, to, to just in the very beginning, you know, God is reminding us and reassuring us that. You know, each and every word that we we read here is a word of God, and you know, there's 
absolutely no doubt whatsoever about what we're reading. Uh, and also, you know, the surah goes on into more miraculous details on a lot of things as we'll cover. So, you know, we're being reminded that what we're reading here are not tales, you know, these are, this is uh, tangible, we have tangible physical evidence that this is the absolute truth from God. Uh, so we have no doubt whatsoever about any of this. And uh, this surah is, uh, you know, actually number 40. Uh, and uh, there's no coincidence that it is titled uh, Forgiver. Uh, and we know that, you know, God's immense forgiveness dictates that, you know, everybody, anybody who died before the age of 40, you know, anybody who dies before their 40th birthday, to be more specific, uh, is uh, guaranteed uh, at least lower heaven. And this is this is because God is the forgiver, most merciful, and you know, forgiver is one of God's attributes. And you know, God is definitely you know really uh, extremely forgiving and clement and kind. But you know, uh, He has a system, and um, the only thing that you know God doesn't forgive, you know, if maintained till death, is idol worship. And um, you know, but people you know abuse God's. Uh, immense forgiveness and uh but the thing is that you know we only have a set time in our life in this life to do um you know what we can to uh advance our souls and uh during this time you know if we if we do commit a lot of sins and we ask forgiveness towards the end i mean god can forgive those sins of course i mean in fact if people are uh, committing a lot of sins uh, and then they at some point in their life to decide to become submitters. I mean, God is so forgiving that he will uh, convert all of those sins into credits, you know, provided that they do make the decision to um, believe and do make the decision to uphold uh, God's truth and then all, all those sins would be converted to credits as well. Um, but the only thing that, you know, uh, will not be forgiven if maintained till death will be idol worship and all their sins, you know, God can forgive a lot of our sins. Um, so none argues against God's revelations, except those who disbelieve. So this is a double negative, you know, and we're being reminded in strong words that the only people who will argue against God's words are people who are actually disbelievers. And, um, uh, and God says, tells us not to be, uh, you know, impressed by their apparent success. I mean, we all know uh, that, you know, disbelievers can get worldly success sometimes. And uh, that is, uh, you know, quite common. You know, people will be given material wealth. I mean, they were not necessarily given happiness, but they'll have the outer appearance of success in their lives. And uh, we may look at them, you know, it's, easy it's natural to get impressed by their apparent success whether it's their numbers you know they could be in the majority or you know it's their wealth or or anything you know the, you could look at their lives and you find them apparently successful and god says do not be impressed by that you know that doesn't mean anything uh, you could have all the wealth in the world and you could have armies of people but as you read along in the surah but doesn't help anyone against God if, uh, you know, they're not with God. 
and it's you know uh, and um it says that you know many talks about many communities uh that disbelieved you know like odd uh uh people of odd people of noah um people of moses i mean all of these people that we read about in the surah uh that they argued they persecuted their messenger to neutralize him and we see that of course with every messenger uh, and they argued with falsehood to defeat the truth i mean this is also another common occurrence i mean we'll find uh but you know god is setting precedents for us letting us know from the quran that when people disbelieved and they didn't uh you know obey god uh basically god's retribution was uh severe Let's see to turn off the Wi-Fi to improve the quality sound. Okay. So, um, reading along, uh, I mean, we're reminded that God's judgment is already stamped upon the disbelievers, you know, as far as uh, God is concerned. Um you know, we're already stamped as believers or disbelievers. And uh, God knows, you know, what our destiny is. Uh, we don't know, of course, but uh, as far as God is concerned, he knows all the events that are supposed to take from now till the end of eternity, you know. So God knows exactly where we're going to end up. So God, we're going to continue reading verse 7. Angels pray for the believers. Those who serve the throne and all around it, and those around it, glorify and praise their Lord and believe in him. And they ask forgiveness for those who believe. Our Lord, your mercy and your knowledge encompass all things. Forgive those who repent and follow your path and spare them the retribution of hell. Our Lord, and admit them into the gardens of Eden that you promised for them. And for the righteous among their parents, spouses, and children, you are the Almighty, most wise. And protect them from falling in sin. Whomever you protect from falling in sin on that day has attained mercy from him. This is the greatest strength. So we can see that, you know, God being forgiver, you know, uh, he has, you know, created these angels that praise and glorify God without tiring and they also pray uh, for forgiveness for all the believers uh, and we can see here uh, how you know in exact words what the angels say and how they ask forgiveness for those who follow his path obviously you know the people can fall in sin unknowingly out of ignorance and um, you know a lot of times you know uh you know, we could be sinning without even realizing, but God, you know, forgives a lot of those sins without us even, um, you know, doing anything about it. You know, I mean, he's, he overlooks a lot of our sins, as God states in the Quran. Um, and they even, and, and they're, the angels are also asking God to admit those, admit these righteous people, of course, with their spouses and parents and children into paradise you know of course it's not for if you're not righteous you're not gonna enter heaven but it's only for those people uh, who are righteous because and they're asking forgiveness for them because we all deserve 
I mean, we all, I mean, we all need the forgiveness, you know, um, because we committed a sin uh, in the high society when we didn't side with God's absolute authority. He gave us a chance. So we are all at mercy of God to be forgiven. And um, of course, in paradise, you know, if you are righteous, if you deserve to be in paradise, God willing, um, you know, you'll be joined by your parents, your children, and your spouses, uh, those among them who are righteous, of course, you know, they'll join the believers. Um, and that's what the angels are saying. And then also the angels are asking God to protect the believers from falling in sin. You know, I mean, it's one thing to commit a sin and then, you know, ask, seek forgiveness. But, you know, it's a great blessing from God that, you know, once, you know, you are protected by God, um, you know, you, you also ask God for protection from falling in sin. You know, so you, you could, you ask God to not put you in a situation where you could even fall in sin, you know, do whatever, for whatever reason, you know, that we, we stay out of that. Um, um, <clears throat> so verse 10, God alone, the disbelievers confess. Those who disbelieve will be told. Um, God's abhorrence towards you is even worse than your own abhorrence towards yourselves. For you were invited to believe but you chose to disbelieve. God alone, the disbelievers suffer two deaths. They will say, our Lord, you have put us to death twice and you gave us two lives. Now we have confessed our sins. Is there any way out? Um, God alone, note the reason. This is because when God alone was advocated, you disbelieved, but when others were mentioned beside him, you believed. Therefore, God's judgment has been issued. He's the most high, the great. The footnote says, the disbelievers go through two deaths, while the righteous believers do not taste death beyond the first death we already experienced, 4456. Please see Appendix 17. The reason for going to hell is obvious. Even those who believe in God associate others with him. 3945. See 3945. So if we look at uh, 4456, uh, we can see 4456 says, The righteous do not die. They do not taste death. They are in beyond the first death. And he has spared them the retribution of hell. And uh, of course, uh, the reason for going to hell is obvious as we see in 3945. So if you see 3945, it says the greatest criterion when God alone is mentioned, the hearts of those who do not believe in the hereafter shrink with aversion. But when others are mentioned beside him, they become satisfied. And the footnote says, despite the clear commandments in 3.18 and the first bill of Islam proclaiming, Ashadu Allah, ilaha illallah, there is no other God beside God, the majority of Muslims insist upon uh, adding the name of Muhammad. This greatest criterion alerts us that rejoicing in adding the name of Muhammad or any other name exposes disbelief in the hereafter. So basically, this exposes their disbelief in the hereafter. And if we look at Appendix 17, uh, it talks about two deaths. 
you know, so for the believers, you know, they will not suffer death. Uh, they'll not go through the agony of the experience of the painful experience of, of dying. You know, they will, be, you know, they will be invited by the angels before death comes to them to exit their bodies and they'll not suffer any pain or misery. On the other hand, the disbelievers are the ones who will suffer. And, uh, this is detailed in uh, Appendix 17 as well. You can read it. But disbelievers are the one that who will suffer uh, uh, tremendously. You know, the angels will come and beat on their uh, faces and their rear ends. And, uh, you know, you can imagine and they'll, you know, uh, drag their souls out of their bodies. Uh, and, it, you know, sounds like a very uh, traumatic um, experience to go through. I mean, this is what this is why disbelievers are also afraid to die because they know that, you know, they're what's awaiting them. And when these people die, of course, they will realize that they're destined for hell and their torment and misery will begin right away. But for the believers, no such thing exists. And, you know, they, they go straight to heaven uh, after invitation from the angels. But we can see here what the reason is. You know, the reason is God alone. You know, people are not satisfied with God alone. You know, they need something besides God in order for their hearts to become satisfied. And we can see how prevalent that is uh, in today's uh, society. You know, majority of believers are destined for hell. And we can see why in, they've idolized other entities besides God, you know, and they're not never happy with God alone. You know, um, you can see that, of course, as I read in the Shahada of the Mohammedans, and you can see, you can see that with Christians and all other people of uh, different beliefs. You know, they have some entities. You know, whether it's their saints or, or uh, you know, their imams or uh, you know, messengers and prophets that they idolize. You know, and uh, when God alone was mentioned, uh, they disbelieved, but others were mentioned. They they believe, and this is why. You know, this, as as I said, you know, this is idol worship, you know, and if it's maintained till death, you know, basically it will cause, uh, you know, their eternal um, doom. So verse 13, uh, he is the one who continuously shows you his proofs and sends down to you from the sky provisions. Only those who totally submit will be able to take heed. Therefore, you shall devote your worship absolutely to God alone, even if the disbelievers dislike it. Possessor of the highest ranks and ruler of the whole dominion, he sends inspiration, bearing his commands to whomever he chooses from among his servants to warn about the day of summoning. That is the day when everyone will be completely exposed. None of them will hide anything from God. To whom belongs all sovereignty on that day? To whom belongs all sovereignty on that day? To God, the One, the Supreme. Prepare for the big day. On that day, every soul will be requited for whatever it had earned. There will be no injustice on that day. God is most efficient in reckoning. Okay. So, God basically. In verse 13, you know, is telling us that, you know, God 
God is the one who shows us his continuous proofs uh, and sends down from the sky provisions. You know, I mean, everything that we see around us right now, you know, these are all of God's proofs. You know, I mean, we we pass by these proofs every day without even realizing, you know, but, you know, even if you see like a butterfly or or a beautiful uh, animal or anything, you know, within yourself, you look at yourself in the mirror. And, or look at your hands, for example, and your feet and your body. I mean, these are all proofs from God, you know. And he's continuously showing us these proofs, you know. Our eyes are a proof from God. You know, all of these things are proofs from God, you know, that he's controlling everything that he has created, you know, all these things. And these are out of God's mercy, of course, because um, uh, obviously, you know, uh, it's a mercy from God that, you know, anybody can see any proofs. You know, because people are blinded based on their own volition of disbelief. But uh, he continuously shows his proofs to those who totally submit. And they're the only people who will be able to take heed from those proofs. And he sends down from the sky provisions, as we see, you know, God sends down the winds. Uh, and then the winds, you know, create the, the clouds and the clouds bring the rain and the rain brings, you know, all the provisions from the earth, and then, you know, it, they come to us eventually. Uh, and these are all all God's proofs, you know. And no, no scientist will be ever be able to manufacture something as elaborate as what God has created. Um, and so, you know, He's the one who does all that. And so we we have so you know He's He He's doing that for us every day. You know, all these proofs, all these blessings has given us are you know without a price tag and uh we enjoy them uh every day and so we have to be appreciative of god and the appreciation comes from of course worshiping god by you know to show our appreciation and of course i mean you know there's ways to show appreciation you know if you really appreciate someone you know you appreciate them by action and not just by words and when we appreciate god you know we do that not just by lip service we do it by worshiping him and worshiping him alone and not setting up any idols besides him. Uh, God is reminding us that, you know, he's the one who's a possessor of the highest ranks. I mean, there's no one higher than God in rank, obviously, you know, I mean, but if, if you're really to understand that, you know, that means you should have the highest regard for God, you know, above anybody and highest love for him. Uh, he's a ruler of, you know, the whole dominion, you know, which encompasses everything. And he's the one who sends inspiration to people that he chooses as messengers uh, and sends them uh, to warn people about the day of judgment, you know, from time to time. Um, this is also obviously God's mercy, you know, because God is not letting us be without any sort of guidance this system that he'll continue to send messengers to guide people and he'll continue to send people like like me and you to uh, you know other uh, communities so every community uh, knows about God's message and um, you know people are reminded so that on the day of judgment you know they will not have any excuse and on that day everyone will be completely exposed as we see in verse 16 you know nobody can hide anything from god uh so 
on that day, you know, we all have our record and, you know, we all know exactly what we did and we won't be able to hide any, any of our, our deeds or anything or any of our thoughts from God, you know, of course he knows everything, but on that day, everything will be crystal clear. And we will all be paid exactly for what we earned, you know, uh, nobody, uh, will suffer a slightest bit of injustice, you know. God says even something as tiny as a mustard seed will be accounted for. So nothing, uh, you know, there's there's not uh, anything small or large that, you know, anybody has done that will be overlooked at that point. You know, if you have done a small bit of righteousness, you know, I mean, that will be written in there. You know, of course, uh, <clears throat> Uh, God is forgiver and most merciful, and, you know, he will forgive a lot of our sins, but nevertheless, our whole record will be with us. Okay, verse 18, no intercession. Warn them about the imminent day when the hearts will be terrified and many will be remorseful. The transgressors will have no friend nor an intercessor to be obeyed. He's fully aware of what the eyes cannot see and everything that the minds conceal. God judges equitably while the idols implore beside him cannot judge anything. God is the one who is the hearer, the seer. They did not roam the earth and know the consequences for those before them. They used to be stronger than they and more productive on earth. But God punished them for their sins, and nothing could protect them from God. That is because their messengers went to them with clear proofs, but they disbelieved. Consequently, God punished them. He is the mighty, strict, he's mighty, strict in enforcing retribution. So first of all, you know, uh, God system, you know, dictates that there is no intercession on on the day of judgment. So anybody who doesn't deserve to go to heaven, you know, uh, cannot somehow go into heaven by somebody, you know, pleading for them at God and telling God what to do. You know, God knows where everyone deserves to go and this is where they will go. So it doesn't matter what anybody tells anyone, you know, uh, what tells God, uh, if you deserve to go to heaven, you'll go to heaven. If you deserve to go to hell, you'll go to hell. You know, and we know how, uh, people in different religions have, you know, uh, put intercession in place where, you know, they believe that Muhammad will intercede on their behalf or, you know, Jesus will intercede on their behalf and save them from hell or, you know, somebody who has memorized the Quran will save them or somebody who is, uh, you know, I mean, there's so many of them, right? There's someone who's from Muhammad's family will save them and then there's someone who, um, I don't know, so many senseless um, hadiths that are, you know, lies attributed to God, where, you know, people have blasphemed against God and, and made up all these lies. Uh, but we know on the Day of Judgment from the Quran, you know, uh, it's very clear that there'll be no intercession on that day. And, and the transgressor will have no friend, um, nor intercessor to be obeyed. So we see in this worldly life, you know, how these people have friends and because of their worldly friendships, you know, how they commit idol worship left and right. Well, on that, on the day of judgment, you know, 
they will lose all of these friends, you know. So it's just this temporary life, you know. They can enjoy these friendships and you know companionship or whatnot, you know. But on the day of judgment, they're they're gonna disown one another and curse one another, uh, which is quite a tragedy, right? So if people want perfect happiness, I mean, it's very clear they have to always be on the right path and make the right choice, which is to be with God and not side with their friends. Um, you know, I mean, this is, um, this is something that we see actually a lot. And uh, people would do that for their tribe or their family. You know, they'll go with whatever they believe. And we see that kind of group mentality uh, in many different areas and many different walks of life. But it's especially, uh, you know, prominent when it comes to religion. And people would do that to preserve their friendship. You know, uh, they don't want to uh, disagree with their friends and, and uh, you know, uh, jeopardize their friendship with them. You know, they'd rather jeopardize their eternity with God, you know, which is ironic. But it shows that these people do not actually believe in the hereafter. So they think it's just, uh, you know, uh, something that people say was not actually going to happen. Otherwise, if they did believe, you know, they would make the intelligent choice, which is to side with God so they can save themselves. You know, so it's actually a really foolish thing to do. And they think they're smart that by doing that, you know, they're actually, um, you know, getting some kind of benefit, but they're actually hurting themselves <laughs> more than they could ever imagine. Um, so, you know, God, and, and, you know, God tells us that many hearts will be terrified on that day and, and, and many will be remorseful. Of course, if you lived a whole life blundering and committing uh, idol worship, you know, and, and being on the wrong side, you're going to be very remorseful on that day. And of course, you know, being terrified more than anything anybody would have ever experienced, you know, in this life. So God is fully aware of what the eyes see and everything that the minds conceal. You know, I mean, this is, this is hard for us to imagine, but really, uh, He's fully aware of what our eyes cannot see. So he's aware of everything. And so he's aware of everyone, what they're doing. And he's aware of even like the thoughts that are in people's minds, you know, uh, and thoughts that these minds conceal. Of course, you know, when we all have uh, barriers, you know, uh, metaphorically speaking within our brain. So if you, you have thoughts, I mean, you can, filter out those thoughts. Um, you know, some, and some people, you know, the filter might not be as elaborate, but, you know, there's a filter in place that, you know, processes these thoughts and you know, which thoughts to, uh, you know, bring out and which thoughts to, to stop, you know, but, uh, but, uh, you know, God knows uh, all of those thoughts, you know, even we might not know, you know, sometimes, but God knows each one of those thoughts that, we conceal and this shows God's immense power. And so based on that, you know, God judges everyone uh, equitably, you know, I mean, uh, I mean, what better judge uh, than God, you know, who knows even our innermost thoughts and everything that could ever occur in our mind. I mean, when we go to a, a judge in this life, I mean, of course, you know, we tell them 
stuff and they go by witnessing but imagine a judge that could know everything right i mean that he would make make the best judgment you know if he was righteous and and god being the most equitable judge knows everything knows all these thoughts knows everything that took place ever and every intention anybody had and so of course he he's the most equitable judge and um all of these idols, you know, they don't even, they don't even know who you are, let alone what you did, you know. So on the day of judgment, you know, the 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 I, the sheer, um, you know, uh, stupidity of these people that think that Muhammad or Jesus will intercede on their behalf. I mean, they're going to be stunned on that day and feel, uh, of course, so remorseful that you know they they fell for such a lie that you know anybody could intercede from their on their behalf. And and God is reminding us to roam the earth and, and note the consequences for people who oppose God, you know, in the past. Um, look at um, all the people that, you know, were, they received the messengers from God and how they disbelieved and they were more productive on earth. They were, they had large armies, you know, they left a, you know, big legacy uh, behind, of course, left with nothing and they were annihilated. But, uh, basically um, God punished them, you know, for their sins and, you know, nothing, no armies, nothing could protect them from God. Uh, and, and the only reason for that was because, you know, God sends messengers with proofs. Of course, God gives people blessings, but you know, when they disbelieve, then uh, God punishes them uh, and God annihilates these people. And this is God's system. And we see that happening uh, every day. And one example uh, we're going to read about now is the example of Moses, of course. I mean, it, this is, I think, one of the best examples to see of, of uh, you know, people who were stronger on earth and more productive. I mean, these people were, were more, these people were stronger and more productive than any, anybody else, as I, we see in the Quran. I mean, these, you know, they were so powerful. Uh, and it's incredible, like, when it talks about being productive, I mean, how productive uh, they were. I mean, you can see, like, from the pyramids and, you know, pe they don't, people don't even know, like, how, you know, uh, an army or a, a workforce at that time could have produced something like that, you know. Uh, and the, the kind of skills that these people possessed, you know, um, it's, it's, it's quite something, but, you know, none of that helped these people against God. I mean, they, they <clears throat> basically uh, disbelieved the messenger and that caused their annihilation. So God willing, we're going to read verse 23, Moses. Uh, we sent Moses with our signs and a profound authority to Pharaoh, Haman, and Karun. But they said, a magician, a liar. Uh, and when he showed them the truth from us, they said, kill the sons of those who believe with him and spare their daughters. Thus, the scheming of the disbelievers is always wicked. So God sent Moses with all of his signs and a profound authority, you know. Uh, and uh, what that means is, you know, he sent them with all his signs and he supported him with all of these miracles, you know. Um, and uh, not only that, you know, he prepared Moses, uh, you know, throughout his life to 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 live inside the 
palace of Pharaoh and understand, you know, uh, everything. So, um, uh, so, you know, he, he could eventually, um, you know, deliver the message to these people, you know, God knows, you know, who's best, uh, chosen to be his messenger. And even though, uh, you know, Moses, uh, you know, was tongue tied, uh, you know, as a defect, uh, you know, uh, but God allowed him to, uh, be a messenger because God knew that, you know, uh, he was best suited for this position and he had him raised in the same, uh, palace where Pharaoh lived. And, uh, eventually, you know, he was the one who delivered the message. But, uh, I mean, despite all these miracles that God gave to them, uh, we can see that, you know, the names that they called him were magician and liar. And uh, there's, God says the disbelievers schemes are always wicked. And so, you know, it was their wicked scheming, uh, because of their wicked scheming, I mean, they, the the best defense we can see they come up with is just wicked scheming, and that's that's typical for any kind of disbelievers, you know. I mean, when when they can't fight against the truth, you know, uh, with the truth they fight against it with falsehood, or you know, they do these wicked schemings to um, you know fight against uh, people uh, and messengers in this case, you know, to try to neutralize them. And uh, in this case, you know, I mean, they tried to, uh, you know, uh, control the people who uh, were believing with him. So, so in order to stop people and discourage them from believing with Pharaoh, and they started doing that by destroying their families, you know, and, you know, destroying their families by, you know, killing the sons and sparing their daughters. I mean, and this is, you know, to to keep them enslaved and to keep them weak and to, you know, prevent them from, uh, you know, becoming stronger. Uh, you know, they did that, of course. Uh, verse 26, Moses versus Pharaoh. Pharaoh said, let me kill Moses and let him implore his Lord. I worry lest he corrupts your religion or spreads evil throughout the land. Moses said, I seek refuge in my Lord and your Lord from every arrogant one who does not believe in the day of reckoning. So this is amazing when we read it, because looking at the words of Pharaoh, I mean, he really thinks that he, you know, I mean, someone who's, who has made their ego as a God, you know, they think that they are the most righteous on earth. And, and, and Moses uh, is trying to remind him, uh, to come to God, but, you know, his response is to kill Moses and let him implore his God, you know, which is, we can see is extremely arrogant. Um, but also we can see that, <laughs> we can see that uh, he's worried, uh, Pharaoh is worried that, uh, you know, he has to protect his religion, you know, he has to protect the religion um, and, um uh, and he's worried that, you know, Moses will corrupt their religion, right? And this sounds so bizarre because, you know, their religion was all man-made, basically. And uh, Moses was the one who was trying to help them and help them bring them to the right religion. But Pharaoh in his, you know, uh, 
egotistical, you know, defiance, you know, believed what was in his head and, you know, basically, which was all lies. And he wanted people to, to believe that the religion they were following before Moses came was the right religion. And, and Moses is just here to corrupt it. You know? uh, and Moses' response was to seek refuge in, in God from every arrogant one who does not believe in the day of reckoning. Of course, you know, Pharaoh and any disbeliever for that matter does not believe in the, they do not believe in the day of reckoning. So uh, on the day of, basically day of judgment. Uh, and this is why they fabricate all of these lies and attribute them to God because it's not, it's not a big deal because uh, they do not believe they will be held accountable for any of this. So if, if you're not going to be, uh, you know, certain about the hereafter, you're going to do all of these things to try to help you. But uh, of course, nothing can help people who have uh, decided to disbelieve. And uh, so basically, um, you know, Moses realized that he was arrogant and, uh, and he asked uh, God for uh, protection and refuge against anyone who does not believe uh, in the hereafter. So um, I think, um, God willing, I will uh, probably uh, stop here. Uh, but, uh, you know, the story of Moses and Pharaoh is one that is pretty detailed. And, you know, it goes, God goes into great detail about the history of, of Moses in the Quran. I mean, this, the the correct history of Moses, uh, you know, of course, and why did God even ch choose to include the history of Moses? First of all, uh, you know, it's um, because, uh, I mean, we can see that, you know, God put the history of Moses in other scriptures as well, the previous scriptures, but we know the previous scriptures have been corrupted with a lot of man-made lies and, uh, it's pretty evident when you read the Bible, you know, but this is God has given us this final edition and he has provided us with uh, all the information that we really need, you know, for our here after for our salvation. You know, it's all in this book that, uh, you know, God has given us. So um, we all we need for our salvation really is to read the Quran. You know, you don't need to uh, go to the Bible or follow any of the commandments in there. You know, you can read the entire history, the most accurate history. And in fact, the history of Moses is the most accurate history that, that uh, I mean, the, the, the most uh, uh, detailed history that we see of any messengers in the Quran, you know. I mean, he's Moses mentioned the Quran more than Muhammad, obviously. And, uh, you know, this is because, uh, you know, these God has preserved their history you know, for us to learn from. And I mean, of course, all of that is mathematically composed. So we should have no doubt whatsoever that, you know, all of this is a historical fact and it really took place exactly as God has mentioned in the Quran. Obviously, you know, there's history in the Bible, but of course, where it contradicts the Quran, you know that you're supposed to believe what the Quran says. And uh, so the, the correct history is here. Of course, like if you see the... Uh, some of the movies also about Moses, you know, you can see they have, it's very close to the history that we see here, but obviously we can see like there's a lot of inconsistencies and contradictions 
And, um, you know, the Quran clarifies all of those. So with that, uh, I'd like to end. And if you guys have any comments or questions, uh, please feel free. Thank you. MashaAllah, that was really good. Praise God. Oh, you, great study, MashaAllah. Thank you, MashaAllah. MashaAllah, Salaman. That's a good Quran study. Thank you, MashaAllah. Yeah, mashallah. Actually, praise God for letting us uh, being here for the Quran study, and it was a very good job, mashallah. Thank you. Yeah, I wanna uh, praise God. You explained about uh, Surah forty, number forty, and also the title is forgiver and. Uh, the criteria of the age of responsibility God has uh, given human beings 40 years grace period to um, grow up, you know, choose their religion freely. Basically, when kids are born, they go to school and then they go to college and they get a job, ma get married, have children, you know. By the majority, by the age of 40, is usually independent and has seen quite a bit of the world and have gathered enough experience um, to kind of, they know where they're going, who they are, you know, um, as a person. So that's where the um, soul is kind of, you know, um, basically has chosen a way uh, that um, which way to go and um, so if somebody becomes a, a believer or believes in God and you know repents and reforms I mean repents um, as God, um, we know from the Quran that God forgives all our sins and remit them uh, into credits remit all our sins and give us credit for that and they, that is the mercy of god extreme mercy of god uh, while human beings or other traditional muslims don't think like that um they probably think you know by some say by the age of nine or 12 you're responsible you know you they force religion upon them and all that but we know that religion is something that we are here to choose freely with our own free will god willing thank you mashallah yeah mashallah very good point but the uh, mercy of god uh, it's amazing how God has designed this Quran. And uh, a previous Quran study, been verse number, uh, Surah 39, and we are transiting into Surah 40, and how God has purposely named it as a forgiver. Uh, it's not a coincidence that it just happens to be Surah 40. And God is bringing conclusion in anybody's life, like uh, the Surah number 39. And now you're going into next year, it's your birthday, and you're going to turn 40. And it's very amazing. You know, you read the 30, Surah 39, verse number 53. 
I mean, it's just Hasbullah uh, Mishitan everything. Bismillah, man, everything. And it starts out with the heading is God's infinite mercy. Proclaim, O my servant, who exceeded the limits, never despair of God's mercy. For God forgives all sin. He is the forgiver, most merciful. Very nice transition into Surah 40. That anybody who's 39 and has been idol worship all their life, uh, doing committing sins right and left, no, with no regards and full of sins and maybe not even committed one single righteous deed. And this person, and uh, you probably have met people, something like that, that, oh my God, I am so much in sin. I mean, like as somebody who's in so much crisis in debt, in financial debt, that they're just every, like, you know, you know, like that kind of, like you're really into the debt. And they say, I have no way out. And God says, you know, uh, in this verse, never despair of God's mercy. Because, yeah. you know, no matter yeah, what you, you can have. Can you, sorry? can you translate that part? <laughs> the bal bal? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> in little translation, it would be like, you know, that would have your every hair is in, in, in debt. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, like when you have to do come out with the uh, general, like you know, you're really in in the sin. I mean, it's like it's like you really despair now. Like I have no way out, but God said, "Never, I will forgive you if you genuinely believe and you change your life from today and you repent all your previous sins that you think they are all that." Imagine in this world, <clears throat> you have um, like maybe. $10 million loan on you. And they say, if you really forget today, we will convert this 10 million into 10 million uh, uh, money for you. So your bank will not show minus 10 million, it will show plus 10 million. And this is, and maybe in God's kingdom, maybe far more better. And just imagine the mercy of God. But you have to genuinely understand and come with open heart with sincerity to God that I repent in God. And I will change my life today and please forgive me and make me among the... And you, you know, you follow God's path. And then so 40 starts and God gives you a fresh start. Mashallah, thank you. I'm going to read the verse, inshallah, for especially those who are listening to this study, God willing. Um, chapter 46 or Surah 46, verse 15. Bismillah uh, rajim Bismillah We enjoin the human being to honor his parents. His mother bore him arduously, gave birth to him arduously, and took intimate care of him for 30 months. When he reaches maturity and reaches the age of 40, he should say, My Lord, Direct me to appreciate the blessings you have bestowed upon me and my, and upon my parents and to do the righteous works that please you. Let my children be righteous as well. I have repented to you. I am a submitter. And then next verse, uh, yeah, talks about it is from these that we accept the righteous works and overlook their sins. They have deserved paradise. This is the truthful promise that is promised to them, mashallah.
God calls the Quran that it contains the most accurate history, and as Solomon uh, mentioned, mashallah, that uh, the most mentioned in the Quran is uh, Prophet uh, Moses and his history, and, and the the his from his upbringing and everything and a lot of stuff, his marriage and uh, the manslaughter he commits and the miracles and all the talk with God. is a lot of... Uh, <clears throat> God talks about that he specifically created him for a specific job. So he was designed to be, you know, this kind of person where he would grow, uh, put him in Pharaoh's palace like he was supposed to be murdered by Pharaoh's uh, troop, you know, like soldiers who were killing the boys at that time, like baby boys. But God, subhanAllah, that just, and so many miraculous things in, in this surah, you know, uh, just the whole thing, like the uh, Moses coming to Pharaoh's house and um, God um, supported him with nine profound miracles. But Quran, subhanAllah, now f f through the Quran and the mathematical coding, uh, it's like we can, we believe in those miracles because of the Quran's mathematical miracle. It's the proof um, that each and everything in this Quran has happened and it's the truth. And so we have no problem. Like it's not like a fairy tale, or maybe it happened. Maybe how could a sea part, uh, and how could a mountain be uh, standing in the air, like floating, like an umbrella? So, um, but now what? What we don't need to have <clears throat> study other previous scriptures because we know that with time they have been corrupted quite a bit. Um, and it's just beyond recognition. But the Quran, God has secured the Quran uh, by its math, by the complicated and highly sophisticated mathematical, intricated coding. And um, and H and M are major part of uh, those initials, and major part of those uh, that coding of nineteen as well. Praise be to God that. We believe in all the miracles now, whatever happened, because God can do anything. Praise God. Yeah, mashallah, this uh, miracle of 19 is just awesome, awesome. Uh, some of the people, I don't know, they, 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 maybe they don't believe or disbeliever, uh, they claim that Surah HM, these uh, seven surahs with HM, why all the combine combine them? will add up to the multiple of 19 and they they have this, you know, see how they bring their, uh, God brings out their in, innermost thoughts and the true convictions that they are objecting to it. They are criticizing it. Oh, why, you know, why not each surah then is it's God's design. Don't you think God could have done it in uh, every seven surahs? Each surah will, uh, HM will be multiple of 19. This is God's design. When, when you look at uh, how complex the other part of the miracle of 19s are. The numbers are like like how many miles long 
and they still end up multiple 19 when this kind of complex were messenger of the covenants if you take out like if you go and watch the videos and the appendix that if you take out put zero in each one of them or put one and and all these different sequences and they all multiple 19 when the number is like a mile long or something don't you think that this would have been easy like somebody can build an airplane and you say how can you cannot build a bike. It's just a, this is just a very small criticism Then you're saying it to God that, you know, so, I mean, this is just horrible that, you know, we have the miracle. That's how God makes them disbeliever stamp on their forehead. <clears throat> you know, mashallah. Thank you. Another um, important um, verse here is verse 12. Uh, it talks about God alone, you know. The thing is that most of the religions, you, you talk to somebody who has any religion and they would say, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, we believe in one God. Um, there is one God. And then some would say, oh, we worship different other things who has his qualities, you know. Um, but what is worshiping God alone? We can believe, people believe in one God, but the... I don't know if it's me uh, having a connection issue. Yeah, yeah I, think I we, cannot hear either. We lost her. She dropped out. She is X-ray. <laughs> so I'm just, until she comes back, I'm just going to talk a little bit about the verse number four. Um, it says Shaitan regime, and if you just read the uh, up to this point, like none argues against God's revelation. That's it. If you tell somebody this statement, that none argues uh, against God's revelation. That's a perfect statement in all God's creations, um, except this earth, this and everything outside in heavens. Uh, they all agree to this statement that none argues against God's revelations. And that part except it takes out everybody else that basically on earth, uh, you know, those who disbelieve clearly. That's the only people will argue. Anyone who argues about any part of the Quran or God's scripture, they, they become automatically disbeliever. And it's amazing how God designs his words that he written here that he could accept uh, he could have just said that disbelievers uh, argues about God's revelation. That could leave open to, okay, disbelievers, um, you know, they argue about God's, there could be more. But when God makes a statement, a complete statement, and just put one except, only this category will be the one who argues, mashallah. What a design. Thank you.
Yeah, you were like somewhere in the middle. Do you, you want to continue? Yes. I kind of lost my train. <laughs> I was talking about, yeah, God alone. If you want, I can read that verse again. It was about verse 12. Um, it, it, note the reason. And subtitle says, God alone. And note the reason why people, you know, do, can't worship God alone. Or they disbelieve. Yeah, you were like somewhere in the middle. You, you got to continue. So, yeah. This is because when God alone was advocated, you disbelieved. Or when others were mentioned beside him, you believed. Therefore, God's judgment has been issued. He is the most high, the great. So this is a common knowledge. Like people believe in one God, but they cannot worship God alone. Their hearts are not satisfied. They have to have somebody, you know, uh, prophets or saints or somebody uh, with God to have that satisfaction. That means their devotion is not to God alone. The entities who were created by God himself, who cannot create anything, that's what God tells us. And as we know, human as human beings, even somebody delivered God's message, they cannot benefit anybody or harm anyone. Um, and they don't even know the future. So how, co how come our devotion and love is divided? You know, and um, this is a very sad thing. It's like God, the creator of heavens and the earth, seven universes, million gajillions of galaxies and all that, you know. He created a perfect planet for us, for our test. But here we are. You know, we're not satisfied with God alone. We need to have those tombs where people can, people go and prostrate on dead saints and, you know, whatnot. And, uh, even the Shahada, the Shahada has been corrupted. The, uh, with Prophet Muhammad's name had been added without his knowledge or, you know, without the Quran mentioning it. So, um, yeah, it's sad, like, Idol worshipping is so uh, blinding that people have forgotten about God. It's the other entities, other people who are more important in being worshipped. Okay. Yeah, mashallah, very good point about the idol worship. This once in, uh, if you go back to the previous uh, Surah 65 and it just explains that it has been revealed to you and to those before you and if you ever commit idol worship all your works will be nullified and you will be with the losers I mean what a scary worst that is I mean mm. uh, you know I mean how Messenger Connor explains beautifully that you know like he was debating with this person, I think I mentioned in the previous, but let me go ahead and mention again that this person was intent, want to put Muhammad's name in the Shahada, and he insists upon it, and then the proper, uh, the messenger says that, that it may be it's idol worship, and we know that it is, but maybe it is, maybe it's not, but idol worship is such a gross injustice that it will nullify all your work. I mean, one a smart person will think that anywhere, even it smells like something that maybe, maybe when not if it's idol worship maybe i should just run away from it and maybe it was not maybe it was not but when god sees you 
so str- uh, struggling, I mean, w- working so hard to run away from idol worship, God sees that, that my, 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 I mean, human is that, you know, he's doing all this to run away from idol worship and God will protect you from further, you know, committing any idol worship. So, and we see that in the Quran, page after page, page after page, God is telling us, teaching us that stay away from idol worship, stay away from idol worship. And uh, somebody could be like reading this book who doesn't have knowledge of religion. This person will come to realize that this must be extremely, this is the important thing that I had, whoever wrote this book is really focusing on staying away from idol worship. Like if you, if you send somebody somewhere, if you're telling someone about some, something that important is about to come, really, really important, uh, you will tell this person again and again in a conversation. Every, after every few, uh, you talk to this person, and then you, after every, every once in a while, you'll mention that, remember this, remember this, remember this, remember this. Why? Because, and we do that. Like, remember, when you send your kids to college or something like that, you will sit, sit down with them over and over, tell them, this is what you got to do, this is what you got to do, because it's important. And we should ponder upon why God is mentioning. I mean, this God does not have anything else to say. God's words can seven oceans times two will run out. But because this is so critically important that we should must run away from any kind of uh, thing that even smells like maybe our worship, we should try to run away from it. You know, mashallah. Thank you. Okay, so does anybody else have any comments or questions about the verses that we read? Okay, um, so I guess um, last week uh, someone brought up the question about uh, the innovation of the Eid, and uh, we we're waiting for Noda to join us, so God willing, uh, this week she's here, so <laughs> we can talk about it. Mashallah, thanks for waiting for me. Okay. No problem. There you go. Praise God. So. No, Mashallah, um, it's very clear that, you know, the broader, I was discussing with, um, Mashallah, Shazi as well, we discussed a lot about that and uh, uh, first of all <laughs> I would like to, <laughs> I would like to 
you know, um, I, I made a mistake. I made a mistake that um, I posted um, Eid Mubarak. I didn't, I didn't think I was taking the literal meaning. And for many years, this is the first time actually, first Eid or end of Ramadan where I even uh, replied to actually many people. They said Eid Mubarak and, I, and I'm talking about non, non-submitter. And I said, oh, you know, Eid Mubarak to you too. But you, I never, I used to say always, happy end of Ramadan, you know, may God accept our worship and fasting and everything. And because of the literal meaning, I didn't, because it means, you know, basically breaking the fast, right? Uh, but then when you pointed out, first I didn't get it like that. Right, I'm thinking, debating in my head that it's harmless, but it isn't. You know, we talked about it. And since we are the first generation, you know, this is how innovations and idol worship enters in religion. We are no special than other previous generations. Slowly, slowly, obviously, how this celebration God became a ritual and there's so many other things uh, yeah added um, specifically a, a satanic um, prayer, you know, a sermon with it, um, with the, loaded with idol worship, uh, which is not authorized by God, the eight, eight contact prayer, and, um, and the, the charity at that time, zakat they take, and fitrana they take, and then People have created so many other rituals with it. That entire uh, festival or whatever this is, has uh, is absolute not only innovation, but it is has become sinful as well. So yeah, it was, um, mashallah, I reflected upon it immediately and realized that I had uh, made a mistake and we have to set up the best example. So for our children especially, for the coming generations, that it, we do not get mixed with with idol worshippers and stay distinct as submitters. Uh, and we need to use our words carefully. And mashallah, Salomon, uh, it was a reminder, even though um, took me a little bit, you know, day or to, to have this completely analyzed and praise be to God, mashallah. I'm sure you will earn a lot of credit for that. <laughs> so so this is my public announcement. I, I have no oh. more questions left regarding Eid. Okay, mashallah. <laughs> mashallah, thank, thank you. God bless you. Thank you, mashallah. Okay, I have a question. Salam alaikum. Can I ask? Sure. Okay, so I was like dis- discussing uh, within my family. Um, what uh, discussion, like uh, they make a point, um, like the word Eid, Eid al-Fitr, actually mean Eid festivities. Aftar, with, it goes with uh, the Ramazan. So basically we are giving congratulations for the Ramzan and if we are giving among the submitters nothing wrong with that because God knows our intentions um, that if we are doing it we are not 
number one doing with the disbelievers um and number two the meaning of this and what what your heart holds god knows that right and we are not doing any the rituals the usual uh, idol worshipers do um the fitrana and and the prayer and uh, other stuff so for them it is if we say oh don't say eid mubarak it's kind of then we are creating a, a prohibition too because god didn't prohibit you to say it yes okay so that's the question yes yeah, yeah. so see the thing is um there are many things for example you know like i give you know i gave the example from the messenger the other day of when you say oh geez right now if you say that uh, i mean if a submitter says that you know i'm not going to think that he worships jesus because obviously he doesn't believe jesus is god or anything like that you know but you know people say normally uh, just out of habit in in our culture here right people say oh jesus like or you know not even so but you don't even say oh jesus just say oh jesus you know i mean jesus doesn't mean even mean jesus but satan makes a claim at you saying that you're commemorating jesus and satan being a cry baby you know he'll make that claim and the messenger said god will allow uh, god will grant him his claim based on that you know so imagine us wanting to take that chance that my intention is to not uh, you know do all of those things and i'm just saying this because i i'm just wishing you eid which is a festival you know you're not you're not you're not telling them literally i mean you're not telling them congratulations on completing your fast It, you're you're wishing them eid it's a festival right so you're clearly saying uh, congratulating them on the festival so it's promoting the festival so if i was uh, <laughs> that uh, cry baby you know uh, i could easily make that claim that you're actually celebrating that festival you're you're not congratulating the person for for finishing the fast you're congratulating them on the festival of uh, that's observed on finishing the fast right so you're actually promoting that festival and and it's true that many submitters will not be doing it with that intention but we don't know that the submitters after what they will be doing you know and and it's true because we've seen that you know there are submit submitters um these days that are actually celebrating not only just wishing people eat i mean that's happening like left and right but they're actually there are actually people that are actually doing the prayers too mm. because they're saying we can do the prayers as long as we don't mention other entities besides god and that's how the innovations will creep up you know i mean you might do a little bit and then you know people right after you will do it a little bit more and then before you know it you know it will be completely just like before you know in in the religion so again uh, my question is that if we say don't say is it going to be uh, creating a I mean, prohibition when god no, god because you're pro- you're actually telling them you're actually telling them what god has already said in the quran which is not to not to mediate bad deeds you know not to promote uh, things that are, i mean you're not literally saying them don't say this or don't say that i mean you're not saying anything new you're just telling them you know i mean like if i tell somebody don't say merry christmas for example or you know don't say happy hanukkah 
or whatever. <laughs> I mean, am I creating an uh, creating a prohibition? I'm just telling them what's in the Quran, which is basically, you know, it's you know, you have to utter the correct utterances. You know, you have to, you know, uh, promote worship of God alone. You don't have to promote satanic rituals. You know, we have to examine all inherited traditions and not do it. I mean, you're actually saying what's in the Quran. You're not saying anything new, so it's not creating a prohibition. She's saying, but let me. She's saying, Bring am that... I creating a prohibition? No, no, no. She's saying, saying no. if we say it among submitters, the submitter, they have a large submitter sibling family, so that they understand this is not, none of them are going to the masjid to do the prayer and this and that. That's the question. That no. Can they yeah, say yeah. to each other, because some of them now lately just say to each other, Eid Mubarak. So, which yeah, means... Exactly. So, mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah no, I, so I totally understood that, you know. But I'm saying that you're not... Even to them, if you're saying it, don't say it. Based on the reasons what I already explained. I mean, you're not, you're not creating a prohibition, you know. I mean, you're telling them what God says in the Quran, which is, which is what I said, right? Not um, promoting innovations i mean not promote it not you even if you wish if you tell them if you tell someone okay anybody right if you tell anybody happy eid right happy eid al-fitr right or eid mubarak right you're congratulating literally you're congratulating them on the festival you, i mean your literal words are congratulating the person on the festival you're not congratulating a person on finishing their fast, you're congratulating the person for the festival of that's observed on finishing the fast. Does that, does that, is this a big difference, right? I mean, so what I, the example I gave of OGs. Oh, mashallah, now I agree. You know, yeah. So it's easy to make that claim with Satan because yeah, you're, you're telling them not to promote a festival that's, you know, rooted in idol worship. You know, I mean, you you could mean something else, but what you're saying is totally different, right? You should say what you mean, not the other way around. I mean, not not say things that you don't mean. Of course, if you mean to congratulate a person for finishing their fast, you should congratulate them for finishing their fast. If I said don't congratulate anyone for finishing their fast, that would be a prohibition because there's no such prohibition. But if I tell you not to say congratulations on this festival that's not a prohibition i'm creating because god already tells us in the quran to examine all traditions and to you know um, not, not mediate in bad deeds and stuff like that so there's no prohibition but what the people are literally saying when they say those words they're actually promoting this the festival that's it shazi did you get it so what Salaman is saying that if we say Eid Mubarak, we're actually not telling them by the end of Ramadan Mubarak or your Mubarak to you for the fasting, but you're just giving them Mubarak for that festival, which is basically a non-existent festival. And it is an innovation already because there is no such festival in the Quran. Uh, 
Alhamdulillah, so, I, I, so we I got... have to use our words wisely so Satan doesn't make a claim. Like the example what he has given is the OGs is a very small, slight gesture of not even fully saying Jesus, you know. But the Satan can make a claim and God will allow him whenever he makes a claim. He's a crybaby, meaning crybaby runs, he runs to God to claim people. He has told God, he has said, I will claim most of your uh, worshippers. I will claim the majority of your worshippers. So, mashallah, this is a really good point. I didn't think it like that, that the congratulation becomes on festival, not on Ramadan. So why we are promoting that festival, which is actually already an innovation. Thank you, Salaman. Mashallah, that was a great point. Oh, no problem, Mashallah. Yeah, I mean, and you know, you're really in that case, you know, and the intention somebody, doesn't matter, uh, right? Yeah. On YouTube has written, the Quran says that believers do not promote vice. Even if you do not do vice, you might kind of uh, stimulate them to follow something outside the Quran, the festival. Thank you, sister, uh, for, for your comment. Yeah, mashallah. It's a good comment, yeah. And one of the things uh, I want to add is the uh, God mentions uh, Friday prayer, God mentions the five prayers, and God does not mention anything else. And it's like a slap on the face. Uh, is like um, when you when we used to go to uh, eat prayer, uh, many times they have two different sessions because there are so many people coming to the... And they, many times they cannot accommodate in the regular mosque because people will be coming from who knows where and they don't have enough space. So many times they have a big ground uh, designated and there will be like thousands of people doing the gym, I mean the Eid prayer. And many times they have two sessions. And imagine God is saying, drop all your business for Friday prayer. And you see far more people, like how many times more people coming to the Eid prayer, like ignoring God's commandment but they're showing up something that is uh, who who started that. And if you go to the history of Eid in Wikipedia, it reads, um, and I quote, Eid al-Fitr was originated by the Islamic prophet Muhammad according to, according to, according to certain traditions. These festivals were initiated in Medina after the migration of Muhammad from Mecca a well-known companion of the Prophet narrated well, that when the Prophet arrived in Medina, he found people celebrating two specific days in which they entertained themselves with recitation, uh, recreation and merriment. At this, the Prophet remarked that Almighty has fixed two days of festival festivity instead of these for you i mean so how, how would you verify all that information and then would you think that uh, prophet will uh, initiate something uh, uh, another prayer which is not even mentioned by god in the quran and you are are you saying to the prophet that you initiated it isn't uh, like a, a lie against somebody who i mean you, somebody doesn't even commit something and you say no you did it I mean, this is a blame on somebody, and not only you're blaming Prophet, 
uh, and God did not mention anything in the Quran. So that creates in itself, and, and the charity is also mentioned in the Wikipedia, that the fitrana, it has to be given and precisely calculated. And we were so strict on that when we, were, when we used to go to the mosque that you must give it. And they will put a big box at the door. And, and there will be a lot of questions even on that, that how much you give, when do you give? And sometimes you are late and people are like going crazy, like, oh, my God, I forgot. I should have given it before the prayer. And all those sort of confusions starts kicking in. I mean, so this festival is, is injected with so much stuff then in itself, it's, it's, it's like a, you know, complete innovation. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm learning from you guys right now that, uh, you know, this could be a very bad thing. Now we fall into, again, in that situation, maybe, maybe not. And our devotion should be most absolutely to God alone. And if, if there's a taste of maybe this is idol worship, then, you know, I would run away from it. Mashallah. Thank you. And if people want to give money or presents, they would acknowledge to their children because like what we are teaching our children is very important. We might have, you know, the first generation is different than the coming generation. They will inherit the religion as we give it to them. Uh, and they are not going to be that strong either. So they're going to know what we've been doing. So the the Eid brings, if we start, you know, giving, doing exactly those things which traditionalists are doing, uh, then they, there will be no difference left. Even Vashad has named us, God has named us submitters now. This generation, we, we don't even call ourselves, we don't even mix with the so-called Muslims anymore. There is a reason that we, we got the title submitters now. So we are explaining the actual meaning behind it. The same thing, the meaning of fasting and the spiritual element has been disappeared. And it's all about it. The month of Ramadan starts and people start shopping. Like I, I've seen Pakistan, right? Adam is from, Adam knows too. That people are running for shopping, going crazy like this. It's like this entire month of Ramadan is actually for that festival. It's like, okay, you know, uh, when people come back from Eid Namaz or contact prayer, who has done fasting? They will get more, you know. So here's your ED. You know, you did one fast. It's like a bait. That the fasting is a bait to get to the end, which is the Eid, you know. Uh, it really is the other way around. They have twisted the whole... Uh, spiritual aspect and the, the like it's such a sacred month where our soul can benefit so much and at the end we just you know nullify all our worships by um, you know doing what the idol worshippers are doing and there's so much added my goodness so much added to it and yeah Adam you made a really good point that those people I know some, some certain people from my own family uncles and my dad even, you know, who probably never went for Juma uh, or, or, or Friday prayer, but uh, that, uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, 
on the right time. <laughs> okay, thanks. Uh, but they would go for the the Eid, Eid namaz prayer because it is, you know, such a social thing and fun and whatever it has. I don't know. Yeah. So we really have to distinguish ourselves from not to me be like them. Even even like when it's Christmas time here, we're surrounded in offices and workplaces um, by people call, saying um, Merry Christmas and this and that. And we in return say um, Happy Holidays or, you know, Season's Greetings. So we, we're not disrespecting whatever they're doing too. Since God says do not insult them or make fun of their religion. So we're not disrespecting what they're doing. It's to them. To to them is their religion, and uh, we cannot say we cannot be part of their celebration of Christmas at any level. Um, yeah, mashallah. And yeah, sorry again. I don't know. I think I uh, why I thought it was a it was a sister because I thought the name was a. I didn't maybe read the name right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Taslimiyat means submission, right? Oh. And, uh, yeah. She probably thought it means, like, Taslim as a person. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, Shazi, all of this is recorded, and you can share this video with, uh, inshallah, with your family. I guess you missed some part of it, but it's all recorded. Really good points uh, were presented. Praise God. What do you guys think of Eid? Like, you know, even though we don't say it, somebody, suppose we don't say Eid Mubarak to anyone, but the kids come to you and ask for Eid, or your kids, people are giving them Eid. What do you think on that? I think, can I say something? Sure. Once again, like, I think what we need to do is to remove the whole name of this festival from our life, you know? So you, you can tell them, I'm celebrating the end of my Ramadan. We're happy. I don't know if you want to start a tradition of Eid or anything, but you can have a great food or, or, or a feast, you know, whatever. And um, keep it to that. And I don't know. That is really up to you. You want to... Because remember, whatever you're going to start now with your child, it's going to go... For a long time and then it can turn into something else you know i think a grown-up who has done fasting maybe you can you know support them with a like mashallah a present or whatever but Eidi once again really is attached to that festival Eidi, churia you know bangles mandi there's so much nonsense going on during those days in the markets in Pakistan that you can't even walk. People are out out there to look at the girls and tease them and harass them, you know, Judea and this and that and some all kinds of weirdness going on, like really sexual harassment going on over there and all that in the name of this festival. Idrat or Chandrat or something, you know. It's full of mm -hmm. weirdness. I don't want to even go there. 
<laughs> that's true. Um, yeah, that's true. I think, uh, I think Ali, the thing is that um, most people, uh, I mean, you have to de- de- detach from it, right, completely. So if you want to give your kids money, for example, you can give them uh, you can give them money on another day, you know, you can give them on the day they finish their fast or like after the fast, you know, but just whenever you give it to them, just uh, let them know that, you know, don't call it, don't brand it as, you know, for Eid, you know, just give it to them whenever you want. Uh, so it doesn't, and you, so that they don't think it's, it's part of Eid, you know, so, and other people too, you know, I mean, I would just tell them straight away. I mean, I know it's difficult, but you know, if you, Thank God I don't have anybody who's expecting Eid from me. But, you know, if there was anybody, you know, I would just tell them, sorry, I don't celebrate Eid, you know. And then maybe another time, you know, I just give them something, you know, so they don't associate it with, with this festival. I mean, that's what I would do. Was there ever incident uh would the messenger of the covenant have ever celebrated or any mention of Eid anywhere? No, I, I don't recall. And, um, you know, he was saying that, you know, about when it came to like things, celebrations and stuff, you know, there's one place where he was saying, yeah, you can celebrate whatever it is as long as it's not religious, you know? So like, for example, you have like Thanksgiving or Independence Day, things like that. I mean, they're not religious, so you can celebrate whatever. But, you know, this thing is religious, right? So you cannot celebrate it. Um, you have to remember that it's not associated with Quran. It's not in the Quran. I mean, so you don't do it. You know, you don't take part in religious innovation. I mean, it's pretty simple. So, um, I mean, that, that that's what I would say. And then, uh, you know, uh, I would say anybody, you know, if would be happy with the, the idea that you know, they don't have to give money yeah, <laughs> other people, you know, they would be, this would be, I mean, anybody who doesn't want to, I don't know if I'm articulating my point correctly, but it was supposed to be funny, but, you know, I mean, if anybody could avoid giving money away, you know, would be happy with the idea that they don't have to, you know, observe eat, they can save their money. <laughs> <laughs> or feed the hungry. Anyway, I just wanted to yeah. say, there is one, one Adam, there is one play, one audio where Messenger has talked about Akika. You know, like mm-hmm. when, when a son is born and people have like two lambs sacrificed or something. Mm-hmm. Something like that. He said, like, you can, you can celebrate or like do whatever, have a party and, you know, but it's not religious. Don't make it a rel- religious thing. You, you have a child and you can, you can, you know, have whatever, have a lamb roasted and six, many lambs or whatever, something like that. I, I'm paraphrasing. But yeah, he said, just don't give, make it a religious thing. There is no harm in even having a feast that day because you ended your fasting. You deserve good, good, amazing food first thing in the morning, you know, <laughs> or whatever you like, your heart desire. You know, you don't wake up till midday of whatever yeah this is the first time i got into it and praise god mm-hmm. how god is running everything that weirdly i somebody posted this person is just very young and lives in a remote area of pakistan whatever. 
and uh, sometimes I talk to her about God alone and worshiping God alone and the Quran alone. And she she did fast, and you know I'm in touch with her once in a while. So she said Eid Mubarak to all my family friends, and I said Eid Mubarak to you too. And somehow it it came into um, Salman's attention, and he brought up that topic. And God gave us a chance to, mashallah, discuss it further. I, I really am happy that it happened sooner than later, but we can stop, put, put a full stop to where it could yeah. uh, potentially be hazardous in the future to some event, something else. No, sure. Yeah, and I think it's like a, it's been like, uh, it's 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 been like, uh, it's been spreading gradually. So like every year, you know, you see it, it more and more prominent among submitters. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's become like very common. But, you know, it was funny because I didn't even see those posts and somebody took a screenshot and sent it to my email saying, look at what submitters, <laughs> other submitters are doing. But I'm going to, privately, I'm yeah. going to the name of that person. Oh, really? curious. <laughs> It was just, it was a person from India. I'll just give you a hint. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he was just, I think he obviously meant well, but, you know, we were just um, talking and he, 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 he mentioned, yeah, somehow. And yeah, but, you know, otherwise I probably didn't even pay attention to, so, you know, there's so many Facebook messages that, wouldn't know, but thank God. I mean, Alhamdulillah, God wanted us to talk about it, so He made it possible. God is running everything. Uh, I mean, I I always do it every year. You know, I would uh, post it as my status or whatever because people would wish me so many times. You know, and I would tell them like, "Hey, I don't celebrate it. Like, I don't mean to be rude." So I just post like usually every year about misconceptions and stuff and about Ramadan. And this year I didn't. Uh, but thank God, you know, he, he allowed these things to take place. And then I, you know, created another post in reference to that, mashallah. Praise God. Mashallah. Yeah, me too. Every year I send in advance, like, happy end of Ramadan to all my family and everything. But I tell you, this was, this was supposed to happen, that we were actually, I was falling slowly. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a slippery slope. Mm -hmm. it's yeah, I mean, there's this entire... There's an entire community of so-called submitters in Malaysia, you know, and they they go and they actually observe. They call themselves submitters. They follow the same read the same Quran we do. They say they accept Rashad the Messenger, and they go and they observe. Not only they observe Eid, you know, they dress up and everything and all of that, you know, and they go and they even observe the prayers and the, their leader he was saying on Facebook that not all innovations are bad and some innovations are good. And uh, he's actually <laughs> arguing with me and then also arguing uh, in favor of circumcision also, you know, similar stuff. Oh, no. And, uh, and his, his fam that his children were there and defending him also saying that we did nothing wrong, you know, so it's a real thing. And so I think God is not only that, I mean, God is showing us a real example that look, you know, this is coming into submission you know, the, 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 that community is already big. They're multiplying and, you know, they're going to multiply more. And I mean, imagine 
they're going to spread around in other parts of the world too. And, you know, so it's a real thing. It's not just a hypothetical situation we're discussing here. Awesome. Good yeah. point. Definitely. Yeah, it's what we teach our children. We have to be, we, main thing is like how Rashad, you know, we're supposed to call ourselves submitters. And that describes exactly the meaning of it. So that's why the whole purpose, I'm sure at one point it wasn't like this. And people congratulated each other regarding Ramadan or completing the Ramadan. And it turned into one thing after another and after another. And um, it has become something exactly like Christmas. You know, so many things have been added. They have presents. They have Eevee. You know, they go, oh, Eid, mil, Eid, Gale Milling. You know, you hug each other. There's so much rituals. And then people will think this is part of religion. It's like how careful we are. And Mashallah Salaman mentioned previously uh, that uh, Rashad wouldn't even do an extra rotation, prostration after contact prayer, even though he would do it in his privacy. So that it doesn't become another additional, additional thing. You know? And it did. I have witnessed it. My first congregation where I got the message. Right after Juma, everybody would fall straight prostrating. And people thought, new people came. They thought this was part of part of the, 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 the Friday prayer. So that's how it creeps into it. Until they realized later, somebody brought it up and... It, we had to control it. It was hard to control that habit. The habits form very quickly and becomes um, a ritual, becomes a tradition. And then people think it's part of religion. God has told us to do so. So mm -hmm. we really have to be careful what we uh, bring with our own hands forth, you know, and give it to our children. We have to be extra, extra careful. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you were to make that same argument, you know, that it's harmless, you know, and I mean, well, I mean, that doesn't mean anything, right? You know, anybody who wants to fall prostrate in public and, and they, they say, well, no, I mean, well, it's there's no harm or anything like that. But yeah, you could be promoting something, innovation down the line, you know, that's bad, you know. And uh, I've seen similar stuff like, you know, when... When you know you and during the Friday prayers, like when you finish the first sermon, you say let's repent. You know, immediately people go into prostration. You know, in some places I've seen that, and uh, and then when newcomers come, they look at these people and they think that they're supposed to do it too, and they fall down, and they prostrate. You know, during the in the middle of the two sermons, so they're adding an extra prostration because obviously all our prostrations are mathematically composed, especially when it comes to the our Friday prayers, right? So, but uh, the thing is, yeah, e even if it's not part of a prayer, you know, the idea that this becomes an innovation, I mean, we should stop uh, or, you know, prevent people from doing that. Actually, there's a video of me, I'll probably post it at some point, you know, like I was in this one community and uh, I, I was telling people, you know, that like I first got there and like after the, um, the, you know, when you say let's repent, everybody falls prostrate. You know, everybody fell prostrate. And I felt I was wrong. And I told them, I was like, you know, we're not supposed to do that. 
and uh and then the next the next week again it was my sermon to it was my turn to give the sermon and i and i just before i'm finishing the first sermon like i told people you know and you know and with this let's uh you know, repent. And I said, and by the way, you know, like we're not supposed to fall prostrate during the sermon. And then I sit down, <laughs> like a bunch of people fall prostrate right in front of me. <laughs> it's in the video, actually. I'll post it sometime. God, it's funny. Yeah, mashallah. Uh, the prostration become innovation and that prostration will become frustration. <laughs> When Nudrud was trying to pronounce, I say maybe she's thinking of <laughs> frustration. Well, it becomes a frustration. <laughs> uh, I, I was just going to mention the, about Ravi's too in the Ramadan that, you know, uh, that's what we to, were told that after Prophet's death and uh, people in during Ramadan were just sitting around in nighttime doing nothing. And, and one of the apostles, uh, Umar Farooq, he said, let's stand up and just do Taravi. So he... Oh, it, it, yeah, so they say he started that Tarabi at night time uh, so they can finish the whole Quran this way and and, and become, you know, Salat and, and, and itself. So one can imagine that you think that uh, one of the apostles would start something, innovation. I mean, this is another thing you're blaming someone who did not do it. And we know that these people are righteous people. Uh, and they, you know, they struggle hard and they, we, we don't know them. We don't know which stand, where they are, and we are associating something with them. Mashallah, just trying to mention it. Adam, we have so many examples. How Satan comes, Satan said, he will come from the right side, left side, you know? You will make you look righteous. Oh, I'm doing something extra. We know the simple example is the, the ablution. What is the harm? It started from, you know, four, God says four steps. And now how many, like 20 steps now? Who knows, right? What am I doing extra? I'm doing extra cleansing. In my, inside my mouth, inside my ears, my nose, what not? These nine steps. Nine steps nine and then steps. repetitions, specific repetitions. Yeah. How many times mm -hmm. you should be doing it? That's mm -hmm. just one simple example. Yeah. And like, yeah, what you said, it's funny that maybe people were awake at night time. Even maybe Omar said, oh, we should be reciting Quran, right? Maybe studying the Quran during, during Ramadan nights, people do extra Quran study, you know. And they said, okay, yeah. they turned into a pre contact prayer, two hours long. Yeah, but again, like, we don't even know, like, if Omar said, yeah. Maybe. Yes. I'm just True. Maybe, maybe somebody yeah. said. It's all here and said. Anything, anything we just associate with the with religion, we have to be careful that it could turn into a ritual and then a ritual turn into a religious practice. Like circus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's so many uh, court shows like Judge Judy and all other. And whenever they bring a witness, and as the minute the person says, I heard, they'll say, no, you are not witness, you get out. You know, So you have to witness it, then it's considered as a, mashallah. There's actually, alaikum guys. There's actually a new trend also. They're showing people who's full hijabi burqa people. And they're showing the, the people who's dressing up in masks. They're saying, look, we, uh, we've been doing this for years. 
but now the regular <laughs> the people are doing it. Then there's another trend. Um, when the so-called COVID-19 started, um, people talk, start talking about hygiene and washing this and washing that. So now the Muslims are posting, look, guys, we've been doing this. When we do five times a day, we do what we do. We wash our nose, we wash our ears, we wash every, like all the steps they named. They're like, we've been doing this for years. Now you guys are catching up and doing this. So the traditional Muslim are using the whole COVID situation and saying, look, we've been doing this for years. And now the typical everybody else is doing it. Yeah, I've seen those posts too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then they said that Muhammad uh, had said that you know if you're you sh you should uh, stay at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They made a <laughs> <laughs> and the whole billboard <laughs> quickly made all these. <laughs> you avoid crowded places. <laughs> you don't travel when you're sick. You don't travel. <laughs> <laughs> He was always advanced. Yeah. He knew about yeah. I know. Yeah, I thought there was a billboard or something on the side of the road about this yeah. hadith. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah, I think it wasn't it was it wasn't in Texas, it was in another state. Mm. Right. Uh, we are much educated. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, when I went to Texas, I realized that Adam is actually Ali. So I call him Ali now. Yeah, my old name is Ali. And then he said, no, you should keep, you should, you should call it like this name. I said, uh, for me, it doesn't matter. Most people don't call me Ali. Hold on to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, everybody in Texas calls him Ali. So I was like, why are we calling him Adam anyways? So I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm used to Adam now. <laughs> Either is fine, you know. Yeah. You can call me Adam Ali. That's fine. Adam. <laughs> it's double A, and I'm waiting for the triple A. And <laughs> one more A to add. <laughs> Maybe I change my last name to A to something. Triple A. <laughs> hey, Adam, one day, said, well, no, I think he told me. He said, I'm going to spend the time with the Adams family. And at first, it <laughs> 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 yeah, he's, he used to stay awake at night, scared maybe something might happen. He <laughs> said the, the closet will open and there will be hand walk out or something will happen. Yeah, you know, that's why they stayed up all night and slept during the day. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, I didn't know if you saw that movie. So, I was like, I hope he didn't take offense. Sorry, we didn't get that. I, I, I didn't know if Adam saw that, you know, that series. Oh, yeah. So when I made that comment, I was like, oh my God, I wonder if Adam saw that and he didn't take offense to my comment. Oh, no, no, no. I saw it. I was very busy and then I forgot about it. I know Adam's family series and there's probably movies too on that, but I never followed through the whole series, but I know what's, you know, certain things in the in the series. Sure I, 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 I
watched Yeah, you know, Adam's family, it, Adam's family, you know, they have a daughter and a, and a son. So Adam also has a daughter. There you go. <laughs> more, more proofs. <laughs> the truth, the truth of the matter is, is that thing and the hand. Yes. Uh, the other guy, the, the weird servant. Yeah. The uncle. That's true. Okay. I actually. I actually never saw the show, the series, but I did know it was something to do with theory. Like, you know, horror kind of kind of thing like that. Yeah, it has now come it like become kids cartoons too, very dark but weird. Mm-hmm. Morticia <laughs> Adam's family, like my my kids love that movie and the cartoon and mm-hmm. yeah, it has some strange characters. Are kids under too young to know the joke? Because when when Mohammed and I are laughing, we have no clue. I think there's a lot of static coming from Pamela from your microphone. No. Not no, not okay. unless. Okay, I think it's good now. Okay. Sorry, go ahead. We actually logged in late today. I'm still remembering the time is New Brunswick time. I've been doing this for weeks now because I, I went out and think I'm coming home in time. And then I caught the last, I think, five minutes of the study. But Mohammed is home, so he Oh, there is sta- like yeah, there is like really squeaky sounds not- coming. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I will be excused now, inshallah. Uh, what I wanted to uh, mention, uh, well, I think I mentioned it earlier, you know, but uh, it's interesting to me. It stood out to me that one. Uh, I think if you guys remember last time we were talking about, um, you know, uh, Pharaoh you know, scheming for killing the sons and sparing the daughters, you know, I think, and one of the comments was saying that uh, one, of, one of us commented about this uh, and, you know, we weren't exactly sure if, if this was happen if this was happening before Moses was born, if this was talking about before Moses was born, or was it after the fact that, you know, these people started believing with Moses, you know, of course, when, before Moses was born, they were already also doing the same thing, you know, with the children of Israel, but we see here also in this verse that, you know, they said to kill the son and spare the daughters of people who also the people who believed with uh, Moses. So, uh, you know, in, in order to persecute them this way, you know, so this was a way for them to uh, keep them, uh, you know, uh, subjugated and into oppression by not allowing them to have sons so they could, you know, they wouldn't be able to rebel against uh, Pharaoh. So I thought that part was interesting. Yeah. Pharaoh had, like, according to the movie I saw, I don't know where it was based on. Actually, Moses' story hasn't been corrupted much. 
uh, interestingly you know like um, um if you watch 10 commandments <laughs> it's pretty mm-hmm. accurate um so according to those movies what they showed is that pharaohs had a lot of magicians or you know fortune tellers uh all the time he was surrounded by they would, they would tell him this is going to happen this is going to happen so somebody told them you know uh, that there will be a kid born i don't know that could be just a hadith or a myth or yeah. fabricated that they that can give him trouble so then he ordered okay kill everybody's sons but probably he was like to genocide them so you know there basically he was genociding you know the entire nation mm. yeah also uh, you know speaking of the 10 commandments i was kind of under the impression too uh, that it was pretty accurate for the most part but then i but then you know huda recently saw the movie too and we were talking about it and i and i remembered also same thing that she noticed is that, that you know it is pretty corrupted still like they have the main storyline somewhat but like it's corrupted because like you know we you see in the movie especially the thing that that i remember the most is that you know we know from the quran that pharaoh drowned as well with his army you know but in the movie he doesn't drown everybody all his army drowns and he's left alive which is like you know just question oh, like why yeah watched it i don't i don't remember yeah but you know what is more closer to quran is the prince of egypt the cartoon right right yeah I much better that. much better very i actually they say they consulted the quran as well while making that one mm-hmm. oh. so yeah the, if you get a chance watch that cartoon film prince of egypt almost yeah, yeah is it a disney cartoon um just just google it and prince uh, of egypt cartoon i don't know it's disney or not mm-hmm. but salman okay. seriously very well made way better than mm-hmm. ten commandments mm-hmm. yeah 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 inshallah i think i'll mm-hmm. watch that i think there's also another one the newer one they made in 2003 called gods oh, and kings or something they recently if you couple five six four five years ago the worst movie ever the one they just made on uh, moses and it they tried to make everything look scientific there is a reason which one oh okay what was it anybody remembers the name just very recent um on moses and it was a horrible and very uh, high budget movie uh with very famous actor that british actor played moses and oh, they um it might be the same one then what is it called uh, go- uh gods and kings is yeah. it that one yeah oh horrible horrible oh so we we went like in the beginning like like i want to watch this we might you know some inspiring stuff would be coming it was heavy budget and what they tried right. to show behind every miracle they made it look like you know the the parting of the sea was a low tide mm. low tide right. ocean and everybody could just walk it was that oh. night very low tide all the way oh they made it right really downplayed and for very little passage they could walk and all the 
the locusts, they, they showed for everything. Like, oh, it wasn't a miracle. It was uh, happening like normal scientific something, you know, reasoning behind it. Mm-hmm. it yeah, that's was, well, this was released in 2014. Is it Christian Bale? Christian Bale, exactly. 14. Okay, that's the same movie, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, horrible. In the middle, I remember Elham was a new submitter at that time. During the middle, he got so upset, he stood up and he said, this is bad, this is fake, corruption. He started to scream. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is not what it is. We were trying to pull him back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway. The worst, worst ever. <laughs> So yeah, it's, I guess if uh, nobody else has any comments or questions, God willing, we could uh, end it right here. And uh, uh, yeah, so um, God willing, our next study will be on uh, Tuesday at uh, 2 p.m. Pacific time. And our teacher is going to be hmm, Adam. I think I, I did the last Is one. Maybe Nudrat? Nudrat. Okay, inshallah. I'll be doing the class. Yeah, unless you're busy or something, let me know. Inshallah. I will. Thank, thank you, everyone. God bless you. Oh, someone. Oh, oh, we forgot one, one comment from uh, Ali's wife. She said it's Muhammad <laughs> Ali Tipu Adam <laughs> on YouTube. <Please> mix. <laughs> Whatever you're comfortable <laughs> with, Adam, let us know. <laughs> Marcella, Adam, at least find them with our game. Oh. <laughs> okay. I'll All right, thanks, you everyone. God bless you. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum.